this week in cyberspace. And that is right. It is time for This Week in Cyberspace. Earlier this year, the United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres said that 2023 must be a year of game-changing climate action. He said, we need disruption to end the destruction. No more baby steps, no more excuses, no more greenwashing, no more bottomless greed of the fossil fuel industry and its enablers. Hear, hear, Antonio. Well, this Thursday, the United Nations Annual Climate Summit, COP28, will open to much fanfare in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. It's one of the richest oil-producing petrostates and one of the world's largest emitters of CO2 per capita. What's more, the 28th Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Climate Convention will be presided over by Sultan Al-Jabbar, head of Abu Dhabi's state-owned oil company, Adnoc. Well, we discussed the weirdness of all this back in August, but it warrants a revisit following the school's climate strike the other week and the rising tide blockade in Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, where 109 climate change protesters were arrested over the weekend. Brett Solomon, protesting is illegal in the United Arab Emirates, but we know that climate activists will be attending and they will be surveilled. Mm. Do we know the nature of that surveillance? <laughs> You know, now as you were introing there, I was just thinking, um, you know, I sort of had my head in my hands about the, you know, just the crazy irony that this is the hottest year on record yep. ever. That is the prediction. By the end of this year, it will be the hottest year on record. And yet the climate conference, which is meant to be, you know, the stock taking of from the Paris Agreement, as you recall back in you know, 2015, is being held in the United Arab Emirates, the petrostate, and also, you know, chaired by Sultan al Jaba, who is the head of the, you know, the, the state oil company. Like, what is this? This what? is greenwashing. I wonder what Antonio is going to say about it. Is he going to be there opening or well, speaking? Well, I think, I don't know if he himself will be there. I would imagine he would be because he has, you know, made his presidency uh, or his secretary generalship, uh, you know, largely around um, both climate justice and human rights, uh, which has been good in words. And we know that lots of heads of state will be there. Um, Biden just announced that he won't be there, oh. uh, which is, you know, kind of concerning, of course, because between China and the US, these are the two largest emitters. Um, but, you know, the irony is just um, is just absurd and kind of, you know, when we think about all the crises that we've been through this year. Yeah. Um, and but the real <laughs> crises, you know, the whether it be Gaza, whether it be Ukraine, whether it be you know fire the ants fire marching ants, south, <laughs> fire ants marching south across the border, um, the real crisis is the climate crisis, and mm. that's why it's so important. You asked about the surveillance issue, and you know, this week in cyberspace space, we're talking about that intersection between technology and climate, and the right to of activists to be able to protest uh, in an un, unobstructed manner, and and the right of uh, you know, climate advocates to be able to communicate privately without knowing, without being surveilled. And those are two major risks uh, in 
the UAE coming from, you know, the 30th of November, which is in two days' time all the way to the 12th of December, which is meant to be this great reckoning of our climate crisis. Yeah, so, so protesters, um, well, activists, I should say, uh, have been promised a space at the um, at the conference, 400 miles away. 400 miles <laughs> away. That's right. A place for climate activists to assemble peacefully and make their voices heard in the canyon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello. 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 Can you hear no. us? <laughs> no. <laughs> World more leaders. Fossil fuels. <laughs> Um, well, you know, the, 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 when you look back at the UAE as what sort of state do we have here, essentially you do have a, an autocracy really where there are rules in place that are designed specifically to keep the government in power. So that means, you know, a real a limitation on the right to protest, a limitation on freedom of expression, um, new laws that have been passed, for instance, um, that are trying now, <laughs> I mean, to basically equate like you, one, using a website or other form of electronic communications that might have some call for the overruling or the overturning of the regime will then result in life imprisonment. And we've seen, for example, Ahmoud Mansour, who is one of the more famous, unfortunately, mm. activists who've been yeah. detained since 2018. I think they, they call him the last human rights defender, defender. in the United Ab Arab Emirates. He was arrested in 2017. Exactly. And he was actually disappeared from 2017 until 2018 um, and then sentenced to, to this 10 years of imprisonment. And we know from sources that he's been detained, but also detained in solitary confinement, experienced cruel and inhuman treatment as well. And so when we bring this back to, like, how do we just, how do we get to a point of climate justice? Like, how do we actually get to a point where states, governments and companies are being forced to by public opinion and other mechanisms to transition away from fossil fuels mm. to keep us to 1.5 degrees in terms of temperature rises. How do we do that? We do that because we have an active climate movement. Mm. The climate movement requires the ability to be able to protest at the venue. <laughs> it requires <laughs> the ability to be able to put out independent research yeah. that is not going to put the actual individuals at risk. And so activists are demanding that attendees are allowed to download privacy respecting international communications applications like Signal. on location. Yeah, to ensure that they can use uh, you know, safe encrypted means of communication. Yeah, and this is just an essential part of a democracy really and why it's important when we have you know this whole thing about climate um, climate change and how do we as a global community respond to the crisis like that requires um, it requires independence it requires mm. it requires um, you know transparent processes it requires democratic participation freedom from surveillance and I would imagine as freedom well from surveillance and so all of these things that are essential to getting to the climate outcome that we're looking for are really put at risk. And that's why, you know, I think Aterish has been so strong on this. It's like multilateralism, i.e. negotiation between the states, is meant to be the pathway to international action. And at the moment, as we've seen last year, remember now we talked about COP27. Yeah, in, in Egypt. Egypt. Yep. 
And we had the same problem. And so here it is, the world's getting hotter, yeah. the problem's getting bigger, and yeah. yet we're making the same mistakes. I think in Egypt um, last year, the G20 nations pledged to lead, this is quote, lead yeah. by example and achieve net zero emissions across their own government operations. I mean, I'm wondering, I, I think that uh, the fallout from that is that uh, none of the world's most advanced economies, including Australia, have reduced emissions in line with their stated targets. So, like, how binding is this fanfare, you know, this this conference that happens every year? Yeah. Well, this has always been the problem with, you know, international diplomacy and international legal frameworks. Is like, you know, the, the binding nature of these things is is really unclear like who are the global climate police other than you and i now they're gonna (laughs) you know that are gonna go out there and say you've breached i mean and we've seen what the climate you know organizations are calling for they want to triple the global renewable energy capacity by 2030. they want there to be a pledge to double the energy efficiency by decades end these are things that like are required this is what is required in order to get us to below 1.5 degrees mm. increase in temperature and which is w- the main mission of all the cops of all these conferences is to you know aim for 1.5 but it seems like we've uh, overshot it by we're overshooting it yeah. and you know I don't want to talk about the the preponderance of green um, female green turtles that are being born because the temperature of the water that they live in is so high that there's no males, no male um, green turtles are being born, which, you know, in another species that might be a good thing. Um, <laughs> or the fact that the emperor penguins which are I know collapsing is, as a species. Which one I of the know most is remark- your... It's my one. It's like green turtles, emperor penguins. Uh, you know, we care about these things here on This Week in Cyberspace. Um, Australia's official representative is to be... Uh, the Assistant Minister for Climate Change and Energy, Senator Jenny McKilster. How relevant is she at COP28? Well, Australia is a really relevant entity, really relevant member for multiple reasons. One, because where we're located in the Pacific, you know, where all the island states, all our neighbours are basically islands. Who are the, going under. Who are going under through no fault of their own. No. Two, because we we produce so much coal and we export it and we're the ones who are digging it up so and three because we have an opportunity to actually as a middle power to influence text what the text says of the agreement that comes out of cop 28 so she should be really important we're now with a progressive australian government uh under albanese and we are opening more coal mines though as you know and gas fields so it's so, just a conundrum how to kind of decouple the world economy from fossil fuels. Well, the world economy is actually will benefit from a green human rights focused transition. And I think that this idea about renewable energy, like you look at where we live here, like you look at the waves and look at the energy that is just happening through. And the know, sunlight. Sun, well, a, a, it's not renew- beaming it down today, but renew- usually. But <laughs> renewable, right? Yeah. And so this is about trying to, and with Australia as well, is trying to prevent or limit the amount of subsidies that goes to fossil fuels mm. and trying to reverse that and turn that into investment in renewable energy.
Yes, here, here. Let's do that. Now, listen, um, we'll, we'll see. We'll have a look at what's going on next week in what happened at yeah. COP28. But last, last week in cyberspace. Last week in cyberspace, <laughs> we spoke about Sam Altman. Oh, right. Now, OpenAI, developments in that uh, in that space. I understand Sam has been reinstated at, as the CEO of OpenAI. Yes, that is true. We had a very kind of, you know, tech soap opera discussion last week, <laughs> yep. Nell, um, beamed all over the world. And, 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 you know, on Tuesday, but this Tuesday, which is the 28th, We've seen in pretty much for all of last week that Sam Altman had been reinstated as as CEO of OpenAI, um, and that the board that had actually ousted him basically got ousted itself. Um, so there's been lots of discussion <laughs> as to why that happened, how that happened, what are the consequences of that happening. But in effect, it looks to be that you know big tech unfortunately won out, and that division and that question mark about open versus proprietary. Um, safe versus, you know, sort of just untrammeled innovation on AI. Like those cleavages sort of fell down. And sorry to be so negative, but really on the wrong side when we think about like what's the future of open AI and what's the future of AI more broadly. We want it to be regulated. We want it to be open and open source. We want it to be to the benefit of people. We want to make sure that the risks are shaved off from the edges. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like that is the steps that were taken with this reinstatement, certainly from a symbolic, if not practical level. Was there any government intervention in any of that? Because it was very much Microsoft, wasn't it, coming in and and, uh, claiming Sam Altman for themselves? Right. No, but at the same time as we've discussed, you know, this is the moment where regulation is being developed in the European Union and in other places as well. Um, And so, but there, and within the US, and there was... A suggestion that Altman and crew were like out there publicly calling for regulation and at the same time privately lobbying to limit the scope of that regulation. Yeah, it's very confusing and there's a lot of turncoats out there in the world of AI yeah, by, the, and, by the sounds of things. And, and why it's so important to have a free and open media like yeah. we have here, yeah. you know, through This Week in Cyberspace and Bay FM to be able to talk about these things, to be able to shine a light on them because, you know, you don't get to a human rights respecting AI or a climate justice without having activists without having you know um, free speech without having a free and independent media and the right to protest and i think all of those things are really coming to play here okay watch this space once again next week we'll be back with more news from cyberspace. cyberspace tune in it's never been more important there you go thanks. final word thanks brett <laughs>